0: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast.
1: Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast.
0: As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods.
1: Putting STEM into every classroom, every day.
0: Well, thanks for joining us in this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods, and we look for ways to help you add more science, technology, engineering, and math to your everyday classroom. And today we get to chat with Maya Ajmera. Now, she's the CEO and president of the Society for Science and the Public. And and that's a pretty big group. They're the publisher of Science News, which you can find at sciencenews.org. They also have a kid's version, sciencenewsforstudents.org. Uh, Maya, you've done all sorts of incredible things in in your life. Welcome to the show, Maya.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm just really excited. Uh, You reached out and said uh, you'd love to be on the show and just kind of talk, I think, a lot about how kids take take those STEM ideas that they're learning in the classroom and turn those into jobs and careers, become STEM professionals. You guys work with the Intel International Science and Engineering Fair, which a lot of teachers are probably aware of. But first, Maya, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into science and education.
1: Sure. I'm the daughter of Indian immigrants, brought up in Eastern North Carolina. Um, my father was a professor of physics uh, at East Carolina University, and I was I would consider a science geek since I was a little girl. Um, All right. found yeah. my father reading found my father reading science news in the library. I ended up reading it too, as I got older. My first introduction to science really was doing research with a botanist um, named Dr. Pram Sagal. And we did a research project on the growth of duckweeds, which is uh, a plant that grows very rapidly in water, but it's known for uh, high protein content. And you can think of it as potentially a future source of food. And so I did my first science fair project um, when I was in sixth, seventh grade. And Mm -hmm. it's been history from there.
0: Yeah and, and that's a that's a great reminder to to every educator out there that kids so often can get hooked on not just learning about science but taking it to that next level with with things like a science fair right
1: That's correct. You know, I competed in different science fairs and then ended up competing in one of our competitions. Uh it was then called the Westinghouse Science Talent Search my senior year doing uh-huh. doing a research project at Duke University. I feel that the things that I learned very early on about science was the integrity of data, the ability to make mistakes and failure and oh, that yeah. science is all about mistakes and failure and you learn from that and about just curiosity where does where does that next question take you. So I really feel like science actually gives you project-based learning or scientific research in itself, actually gives you a very good foundation in whatever career you end up choosing.
0: Yeah, and you you not only have made your way to the Society for Science and the Public, uh, Maya, but you you also even started some some really pretty incredible foundations, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, so, you know, um, I was a neuroscience major in college, but then got this extraordinary opportunity on a fellowship to travel south and southeast Asia, and I traveled from Thailand to Pakistan for a year, and I ended up uh, on a train platform in India seeing 50 kids learning how to read and write, and it was there that I had my moment of obligation of, how do you make sure that all underserved kids in the world who are desperately poor have a chance of education and healthcare, like the kids on the train platform. And it was there that I had what I call my moment of obligation right after college and founded the Global Fund for Children, which supports really innovative grassroots organizations serving the most vulnerable children and youth in the world.
0: That's awesome. I really like that, that idea of that moment of obligation, Maya, that that's really kind of puts it in a important uh, phrase a way for even for us as as educators to to talk to our kids when we're when we're teaching them something in a classroom it's not just here's a lesson let's learn it let's take the test and move on no there's there should be that moment of obligation that i've learned something i've learned about and a lot of stem education is involved in problems and problem solving and how can we look at things going on in the world and what can we do about them correct now my you guys group is involved with the international science an engineering fair. I know I've I watched recently the, uh, the 2018 documentary from National Geographic called Science Fair. And just what a wonderful yes. story that was where it went behind the scenes. And uh, that's an incredible yes. film to show in any classroom.
1: Exactly. Science Fair is an extraordinary movie of following kids and their trajectory of doing their projects and getting to the global stage. You know, there's also another movie that came out right when Science Fair did called Inventing Tomorrow, which is about kids from around the world, but they're doing environmental projects and get to showcase them at ICEF. Both those movies, Science Fair and Inventing Tomorrow, are perfect for the classroom. Just yeah. perfect.
0: Yeah. And whether your school has a science fair or a regional or local science fair or not, these are kind of things that educators can really create that, not just a sense of competition, but, all, but that sense of, I want to do my best. Like you had mentioned earlier, Maya, about uh, project-based learning. Uh, if, if all we do is have kids do a project just so they can turn it in and get it graded, um, we're missing out on so much.
1: That's right. I mean, learning is about doing. Right. And it's not about rote memorization. It's not all about testing. I think one of the most incredible ways to learn is to learn by doing. And by doing, I mean doing experiments. One of the things we see with young people is that they want to solve a problem in their community. They do. And or they want to solve a problem that's happened to a loved one. And that gets them inspired to figure out, okay. What are the solutions to that problem that I hold very close to me that's affecting my community, that may be affecting my family, that may be affecting me? And we see that in a lot of projects. That's how these kids get inspired.
0: Mm-hmm. and i think teachers if you if you stop and and ask the students to think of those problems first then it's a like you said my it's a much more personal it's a much more useful project it's something that has meaning to that kid they're going to want to do their best because like you said it's it's solving a a national or international problem it's solving something in the lives of people that they know and and stem is really part of that. I mean, I know we're talking about uh, science or engineering fairs, but uh, they all have, they have all those different things, the science, technology, engineering, and math, all interconnected. Kids just love anytime you add STEM to the classroom.
1: That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, my, my sense, you know, here at the Society for Science and the Public, we want every young person in this country to know that, that they have the opportunity to become a scientist or engineer if that's what they want to do. So we have, several um, outreach and equity programs for young people throughout um, the United States. One is the Science News in High Schools program where, you know, we're in nearly 5,000 high schools in this country where science news is being used to teach science curriculum. You know, one of the things we hear from teachers is we need excellent content in our classrooms. Our textbooks are old. What do we do? We don't know what to trust online. Well, Mm -hmm. here's Science News in High Schools, where we have nearly 15,000 teachers that work with us in really taking that content. And that inspires students to think about, okay, I just read this article about the mobility of cockroaches. Now, I'm going to think about that in terms of my robotics project, you know, and we actually have a story like that of a young student from Baltimore. We also have a STEM research teachers conference where teachers come in fully paid for four or five days to learn how to build a science research program in their high schools. This is absolutely critical that teachers understand and learn the tools that are out there to be able to build that.
0: Yeah, and if people want to find out more information about the Society for Science and the public, they can go to societyforscience.org or you can search for it on Twitter, Society for the number four, science, as well as finding you Maya Ashmira. On Twitter as well, same way. There's so many different resources that I, I did notice on, on your website as I was taking a look. And even just some of the articles, it's it's summertime right now. So I, I saw something on there about, about Spider-Man and I saw something on there about fireworks and things that could really connect with a kid's real life and help get them to see those connections between STEM in, in their textbooks and STEM in the real world.
1: That's correct. And I, I will really hand it to The the Science News for Students team, they are um, one of the only teams that are journalists writing for middle school. And they write on everyday topics that that affect young people. And that's why we have a really great following
0: and again right at that kind of middle school age level is and that's kind of where we often see a little bit of a a change between elementary kids get to have you know very hands on kind of science and and stem kind of activities middle school it starts to you know finish with that and a lot of a lot of high schools it becomes worksheets it becomes filling in questions from the book and things like that so so helping to keep them connected throughout those middle school years is so important
1: Absolutely. You know, one of the things we have is um, the Broadcom Masters, which is the premier middle school STEM competition in the United States. Mm -hmm. And these are middle schools who compete at our affiliated science fairs throughout the United States. And they and and 10 percent of them get nominated. That's about 8000 kids. Mm -hmm. Those 8000, 2500 apply um, for the Broadcom Masters. We um, have a bunch of judges that whittle it down to 300 of the top middle school scientists and engineers in the country. And of those 300, we invite 30 finalists to come to Washington, D.C. each year to showcase their project. And, And we really feel strongly that middle school is the right time to really capture the interest, especially of girls and students of color, because... This is when you start seeing a drop-off rate. Frankly, yeah.
0: I know one of the things that, and, and I know you wrote it about the science fair on, on your uh, Twitter site. But you wrote the science fair may be over, but the the finalists are just getting started with their scientific careers. And uh, I thought that really summed up how we maybe look at a science fair and say, okay, we did the science fair, it's ended and it's over. But no, that's that's the part where now it keeps going, and the kid is is hooked on. Uh, learning and wanting to know more, even though the fair is done, even if they didn't win.
1: That's correct. You know, these kids are so motivated that they continue on with their projects, but they also continue on in terms of thinking about the next question that they yeah. have that they want to solve or answer. Yeah, um, fact- so, you know, I, I feel very good about our future in that sense.
0: Yeah. In fact, that was one of the things that really struck me when I watched the the science fair documentary by National Geographic, how a lot of those kids, as soon as the competition ended, they were already thinking about what are they going to do for next year? They really, if they didn't win, they wanted to win next year. They they knew it. They wanted to up their game even, even more. That was neat. Yep. You got it. Yeah. Now you offer some training and support. You kind of mentioned that a little bit for teachers. So Let me so talk you, to
1: you about that. You yeah. offer... Research teacher grant to teachers throughout the country who want to help build the capacity of their science research program. And we think that's absolutely critical to public schools that are really struggling um, right. for resources. And so that's one grant that we give. Another grant we give are STEM Action Grants. And these are grants to give to nonprofit organizations in the United States that work with underserved. Students giving really cool STEM um, opportunities. And the last grant we give are the advocate grants, we like to consider ourselves official nudgers. Um, so, we know that a lot of underserved kids, they do science research, but they don't compete. So, how do you get kids to compete? So we actually support teachers, mentors that create a posse of students and nudge them and say, Have you thought about applying for the Regeneron Science Talent Search or the Broadcom Masters? Have you thought about putting your poster board together, you know, into your local science fair? What can I do to help you? Can I get your poster board? Can I look at your poster board? It's those sorts of things that can help a student get to the next level and compete. And we see some really extraordinary uh, results from evaluations on this.
0: Yeah, and just that little bit like you said, that that little what did you call them, Maya?
1: They're official nudgers. They're advocates. <laughs>
0: yeah. But yeah. they're nudgers. They yeah. Nudge. And, and and sometimes that's all that kid needs is just that little bit of extra push. I mean, maybe they don't have that at home. Maybe maybe that's for correct. some reason their their family isn't isn't as engaged in the educational process. So it's so important for us as teachers to to just Push that kid a little bit, and and I think I think all of us know the kids in our classroom. We know how much to push and and when to back off a little bit. But but these kids can do so many incredible things, and when we give them those opportunities, it's incredible what they do come up with. Uh, again, we're chatting with Maya Ajmera from the Society for Science and the Public. Again, you can find all the information about all those grants and things on the website, correct?
1: That's correct.
0: Which is societyforscience.org. Tell us a little bit about what what you think that STEM education looks like right now and what you hope it looks like as we keep going here on in the future, Maya. So
1: I think that STEM education, we need to get more resources to our mm-hmm. teachers and to our schools, you know, I think there are schools that are very doing very well, and I think there are most many schools that are really struggling. And I, I, I would really, um, we look at to a researcher named Raj Chetty in um, at Harvard, who's written a very famous study called The Lost Science, Science, and he calls them, you know, desert STEM deserts of where oh, yeah. where you see, you know, the lack of innovation occurring and you know, if if there are places where lack of innovation is occurring, it, you also see places where they're not great schools, where you don't see industry. And so we have to change that as a country.
0: Yeah. And just thinking through whatever school you're in, I mean, I, there's so many teachers that that draw from their own resources. They're they're bringing things from home. They're scrounging for supplies. And and those that's great. I mean, we can be asking our community. We can be asking local businesses uh, if there's some around, especially ones that are involved with technology or engineering, uh, things like that. High tech research. Those those are places to to start with for anyone to ask and say, do you do you have equipment? Do you have professionals that would be willing to come and, and be a guest speaker in my classroom. Um, all those kinds That's of things connect it to real life for those kids. That's correct. So a question I like to ask everybody, Maya, if you could have dinner with somebody from STEM, past or present, who would you love to just sit down with and, and talk with?
1: So I can, I, can I say two or three oh, you can, individuals? You can,
0: you can have a whole dinner party. It's great.
1: Okay. I would say that from the past, I would love to um, have at my dinner party, Madam Curie. Okay. Um, And in the present, I would love to have dinner with several female Nobel Prize winners. Uh, We don't have enough, uh, but Elizabeth Blackburn being one of them, Carol Greider. um, You know, these are extraordinary women who have done extraordinary research but are incredible role models for for female scientists and for
0: all of us. And and again, there are I've seen especially this past summer I've seen a number of different spots on the internet that have free downloadable printable, very nice posters uh, of a lot of yeah. those those kinds of scientists available uh, for any educator to, to print out and put up on your wall and, and inspire uh, all the kids in your classroom. That's such a such a great idea, Maya.
1: Absolutely. And I would say m- many of our alumni should be on those posters. You know, we have an, an alum, Fang Zhang, who is the co-founder of CRISPR, you know, the gene editing oh, yeah. tool. Yeah, definitely. He competes in both of our competitions. And so, you know, we have George Yankopoulos, who is a very famous scientist, who is the co-founder of Regeneron um, and, and creating important medicines. We have Frank Wilczek, who's a physicist, who's our alum, who competed in our competitions, who's, who got the Nobel Prize in physics. Um, so we have these extraordinary alumni that are doing amazing, amazing things.
0: Yeah, and Maya, just so many different great ideas. Uh, again, if anybody wants to find out more, they should definitely check out the Society for Science and the public website uh, to be able to find that stuff out. They should also check out the sciencenewsforstudents.org website, especially if they want some, some great reading material. Even if you've got like five, 10 minutes in your class, say, hey kids, um, hop on your devices and, and find an interesting article and read it. Uh, that's such a simple way to connect, especially literacy and STEM uh, together in a classroom and, and to get the kids to say, I get to pick and choose something that I'm interested about. Correct. Now, Maya, any, any other last thoughts? It's been great chatting with you today. Any other last thoughts you'd like to, to share with uh, there's so many educators out there that are listening and thinking about how they can add uh, STEM to their classroom?
1: What I would say to teachers is that the Society for Science and the Public has extraordinary resources for teachers and their students. And so please take a look at it because we want to support teachers and we want to support your students and we want to support your schools. And that is our service because we believe that every young person in this country can become a scientist or engineer if that's what they want to be when they grow up.
0: That's, that's important. Every kid can become uh, a scientist, an engineer, uh, whatever they want to be as they grow up. Maya Ajmera, it's been great chatting with you. I will say Society for Science in the Public is almost 100 years old. It was started in 1921. So, I mean, you're not some fly-by-night thing. You are uh, well-established and well-respected in, in the STEM and science education community. And thank you for being on the show today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And, and again, if anybody wants to connect with them, all those inf- connections will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of STEM Everyday Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Leave a review. Uh, you can connect with me on Twitter at DailySTEM or on my website, DailySTEM.com. And we'll talk to you again next time.
1: You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit remarkablechatter.com.